adre the adrenaline that's shooting off in the electricity, he captures it right there on paper. Ladies and gentlemen, Al Hirschfeld. Well, I've drawn ever since I could hold a pencil. Actually, all kids draw. I just never stopped. Coming to you live from the Al Hirschfeld Foundation studios, uh, this is the Hirschfeld Century Podcast. I'm David Leopold, the creative director of the Al Hirschfeld Foundation. Wow, and I'm Catherine Eastman, the archives manager. I did not realize that my desk was our official studio. It is now. Good. It is. On the air, we've put the dogs in their kennels. Yep. <laughs> we have silenced our phones, and we are here to mm -hmm. talk to you about all things Hirschfeld. Yes. And today. Today's topic is... Hello, Dolly. That was a drum roll. That was a drum roll. <laughs> that was a bad drum roll. Yes. <clears throat> yeah, we're talking Carol Channing and Hello, Dolly. Yes, two things that if you know anything about Hirschfeld, you probably have some sense of that. Right. Um, his drawing of Carol Channing in this role is one of the signature pieces that when they talk about Hirschfeld, you almost always see this piece. Definitely. It's, it's so iconic. It started off pretty innocuously. Uh, the, his first published drawing of 1964 was in the New York Times. The, uh, his first published drawing of Hello, Dolly. His first published drawing right. of Hello, Dolly. Uh, but his first published drawing of the year, 1964. Oh, I see. Uh, was in the Sunday New York Times. So you were right. I'm sorry for correcting you. All I can say is again. Again. <laughs> I do that quite often where I correct you. And then I'm like, oh, no, David was right. <laughs> no. She does a very good job. <laughs> Thank you. She just happens to be wrong most of the time. Uh, we'll cut that. That's fine. <laughs> uh, in any event, his first published drawing in 1964 was in the New York Times. It was actually a diptych. Uh, that's really two drawings put together. Right. Uh, on the left-hand side was Alec Guinness in uh, the play Dylan, mm -hmm. about Dylan Thomas. Uh Dylan Which he had, won a Tony for. Yeah, he won a Tony for. Right. Um, and it was a great performance. I mean, of course, everyone thinks of Alec Guinness today for, he was a great performer, but they think of him for one role today. Well, when I think of, I'm going to try to guess. When I think of Alec Guinness, I think of company. <laughs> I have no idea what you think Wasn't of Wasn't he in a company drawing? No. Oh, uh, man. He doesn't, oh, I don't know that. <laughs> we're going to cut that too. <laughs> What's the role that... Uh, when people think of Alec Guinness today, the role they think about is Obi-Wan Kenobi in Star Wars, the original Star Wars. Oh, he's... I he's did not that, know that. And that was the capper to an extraordinary career. If you, ha if you um, haven't had a chance to see some of his mo movies, Captain's Paradise, uh, The Lavender Hill Mob, these are Kind Hearts and Coronets, uh, which were the, which was the basis for Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder on Broadway a few mm, years back. Interesting. Um, Really a terrific performer. Terrific mm. performer. So I was and, way off, and I apologize for that again. <laughs> uh, so he won a Tony for it. The drawing's very good. Um, and in the uh, midst of time, that one is completely forgotten because mm. on the right-hand side of the diptych was a drawing of Carol Channing as uh, Dolly Levi 
in the musical version of The Matchmaker called Hello, Dolly. Mm. It was the Sunday before both shows opened on Broadway. I mean, I can't even imagine a Broadway in which we're opening Hello, Dolly and Alec Guinness and Dylan, you know, in the same week. Right. Uh, And it's not April. Uh, (laughs) So uh, it's a great theater season that year. Yeah. I mean, Fiddler on the Roof comes out that year. Yeah. Funny Funny Girl. Girl. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's a really, for for Broadway musicals, it is a great, great year. (laughs) Uh, but the one that would be remembered, of course, is Hello, Dolly. Well, um, and Fiddler. And Fiddler. Of course, all the shows would be yeah. remembered, but the one that gets awarded the most is, right. breaks a record uh, mm-hmm. or ties a record yeah. of getting 10 Tony uh, awards mm-hmm. um, that it season. Ties with uh, South Pacific. Right. And that was held until the producers in 2001, 2002. Right. When they won 12. And that's the new record. That is the new record. <laughs> So, so Hello, uh, it was, Dolly. Hello Dolly was a big hit, and but the thing that probably most people, uh, when they talk about it today, uh, um, when they talk about that original production, almost always it's illustrated in the same way with this Hirschfeld mm-hmm. drawing because he so captured her in the role. Um, uh, Cal Channing would later say that... Um, you know, when, when she saw herself in, in uh, Hirschfeld drawing, she would say, how did the great Hirschfeld know precisely what I was thinking? <laughs> to be Hirschfelded is a eerie experience. You better not have anything to hide because he'll expose it like a neon sign. You know, But uh, in a loving way. In a loving way. Yeah. And, you know, for Carol Channing, she was precisely the kind of performer that Hirschfeld loved to draw. Right. She was a larger-than-life character both on and off stage. Um, and Hirschfeld had been drawing her, by 1964, he'd already been drawing her for 15 years. Wow. Um, Had already done several drawings of her. Um, Her story, though, um, well, I mean, she was born in Seattle uh, in, uh, oh, she's about 1921. 1921. And she gets her, uh, she goes to school at Bennington College. She gets her first uh, New York stage work uh, with Mark Blitzstein in No for an Answer, which was at City Center. Then it was still called the Mecca Temple. Um, She was 19 years old. Uh, From that, she went on to understudy Eve Arden in the Broadway production of Let's Let's Face It. And in one of those really uh, interesting ironies, Mm -hmm. uh, Eve Arden would eventually understudy Carol Channing and would eventually play her in the uh, would play uh, Dolly uh, Levi in uh, the Road Company of uh, Hello Dolly. Mm. Uh, even though there was a 13-year difference yeah. between the two performers. Interesting. Uh, so, um, Hirschfeld didn't draw her in any of these. Uh, his very first drawing of her was when she was in a review called Lend an Ear. Right. Now, Hirschfeld's favorite form of theater was the review uh, burlesque. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he loved that kind of thing. The satirical review was all-time favorite mm. and Lendonier was exactly that right this is satire of the 20s or yeah uh, well one of the things that satirized mm. was the 20s gotcha and so he was doing these he, he didn't do just cast drawings in the late 40s and early 50s uh he was also doing theme drawings so he might do a drawing of the mothers on broadway and right. gather up the different mothers who were in different shows what's cooking on broadway it's like anybody who's cooking something on the stage yeah everything is- from elaine stritch and bus stop to uh uh the mother in uh, diary of anne frank oh gosh um and then there's also like a troubled fathers Trouble that, Fathers on Broadway. I put that up for Father's Day. Yes, there's uh, villains on Broadway. Uh, yeah, villains. I mean, uh, 
so in on May 15, 1949, the New York Times published a drawing called Husbands and Wives on Broadway. And it included uh, um, Alfred Drake and Patricia Morrison and Kiss Me Kate. And it also in, it included Carol Channing and the actor who played her husband in London Ear, that one of the skits was about a husband and wife, you know, arguing and, and uh, fighting, but still very funny. Um, six weeks later, Hirschfeld does another theme drawing called Supporting Players Whose Numbers Stop Their Musical Shows. And this is the drawing that Carol Channing says is the making of her, the, uh, the, is the star-making drawing that Hirschfeld did of her. Mm. She credits her success in the theater based on this drawing. So what Hirschfeld did was he had these different people whose numbers stopped the show, uh, Bally High from South Pacific. Mm -hmm. um, and Cal Channing did this numbers. It was a send-up of the 20s. She wore this cloche hat. She was the gladiola girl. And Hirschfeld included her in this drawing. She wasn't the focus of it. Right. But it was a great part of the drawing. Uh, when Carol Channing saw it, when she opened up the paper that Sunday morning, uh, June 26, 1949, her first thought was, wow, there's my father. <laughs> you know, he had so, I mean, Hirschfeld didn't know her at all, but he had done what a great portrait artist does and mm -hmm. brings sort of their whole life mm. uh, in, a, in a drawing. Uh, and so she was amazed by this. She wasn't the only one amazed by this. Julie Stein and Anita Luz were looking around to find a, uh, someone to perform the lead role in the musical version of Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. Right. And according to Carol Channing, <laughs> they saw this drawing and they said, uh, Anita Luz allegedly said, there's my Lorelei. They went to go see the show because of the Hirschfeld drawing. Wow. And Carol says, many other people went to see the show because Al Hirschfeld kept on drawing it, Aww. so it must be good. Yeah. And so it brought a lot of people in. Well, six months later, she is the lead in the Broadway production, the original Broadway production of Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. And mm. it's a huge success. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a huge success. Uh, so um, Cal Channing says, this Al Hirschfeld made, made my her, career. Made her a star. Made her a star. <laughs> Hirschfeld himself did not think that way. In fact, he had a very funny thing to say many years later. Uh, he he didn't remember doing the drawing, mm. uh, and it's certainly in that way. Uh, he wrote, she remembers it with great, great clarity, and maybe that's enough. However, I think it also explains Carol's star power and success, her ability to create this fantasy version of her own legend. Carol was one of the few performers of that time who invented themselves, especially here in her most famous and most plumage-filled role of Dolly Levi. I merely copied her original design of herself. Mm. Now, for Hirschfeld, that is the greatest praise that you can he can give you that yourself invented, right? That you created your, your character, yeah. You know, right. That and everybody Carol, knows. And Carol Channing is a character. Oh, without As a, a doubt, she's always Carol Channing. Yes, with the wig and the mm -hmm. eyelashes, you know, she never went out without that. Right. Uh, and you came, people came to expect Carol Channing mm -hmm. when Carol Channing showed up, <laughs> and she never failed to deliver. I right. mean, even even in her nineties now, she is still Carol Channing. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Uh, and but Hirschfeld understood that you shouldn't let reality get in the way of a good story. Uh, and if Carol Channing believed that this was the start of her career and it fit into this nice mm -hmm. uh, uh, story that she had created for how her career started, 
who was he to argue? Right. You know, right. it may very well have happened like this. Mm-hmm. It wasn't his intention, mm. and that wasn't so important. Uh, and we find that a lot of times with Hirschfeld's intention for most of his drawings was to create a great drawing. The fact that it looked like the people that it was supposed to look like was a happy byproduct. Right. Uh, so you know what his intentions were and what people got from it were always a little bit at odds, mm-hmm. but they were something that everybody wanted. Right. So. Uh, Carol, believing that uh, Hirschfeld made her a star, was good enough for Al, and it certainly is good enough for Carol, so it's good and enough it's for good us. And it's good enough for us. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to continue the narrative. Let's talk about Hello, Dolly real quick. Uh, yeah. So take me back, David, to take me back to the beautiful Austrian countryside of 1842. Yes, and what does that have to do with <laughs> Hello, Dolly? People are still asking. Yeah. Uh, well, the reason why we're in Austria in 1842 is because Thorne and Wilder, uh, the original, uh, the American playwright, uh, um, would adapt a play, um, uh, this 1842 Austrian play, and turn it into an Americanized comedy called The Merchant of Yonkers mm-hmm. about a businessman who is in the market for a new wife. Right. Okay. In 1938, he brings it to Broadway. Uh, Jane Cowell, who was a big star at the time, uh, played Dolly uh, Levi, but she was not the main character. The main character was Horace Van Gelder. It was performed by Percy Warham, Mm. who today people don't know, but he was a pretty bankable Broadway star at that time. He had played in Life with Father, although he wasn't the original father. Mm. Um, He had been in a number of plays and would continue to be in a number of plays. But... they, the legendary director Max Reinhardt was directing this mm. uh, play. This was not the only play that Thornton Wilder had on Broadway this season, in the 1938-39 season. Right. He also had Our Town. Arguably his most famous play. Definitely, And yeah. uh, as we speak here, whenever you're listening to this, maybe you listen to this next week or three months from now, <laughs> you can be sure that somewhere tonight... Someone is performing Our Town. Mm. It is one of those plays that is done virtually every day of the week, every year of the that you can think of. Right. Very popular. Very popular. One of the still most performed plays in high schools. Right. Uh, I know. It's but also in uh, regional list. theaters mm-hmm. and uh, community theaters. It's a great play. Right. So this came out... So uh, The Merchant of Yonkers came out after Our Town, but the same season. The same season. And not a great success. Not a great success. <laughs> it only ran 39 performances. But as happens with so many short-lived Broadway undertakings or whatever you want to call it, there's a great Hirschfeld drawing of it. Really great Hirschfeld yeah. drawing. Uh, um, Jane Cow is literally electric yeah. in, the, uh, in, in the drawing. And it's a great piece. So while it didn't get awards or an audience, mm-hmm. it got a great drawing. Yep. Um, that we still have here in the Foundation's collection, mm-hmm. which is really wonderful. Right. Um, so that play would have languished in obscurity. It would have been a trivia question of what was the other play Thornton Wilder premiered <laughs> in 1938. Um, That's still a good trivia question. That, oh, there you Actually, go. Actually, I'm going to write that down. Okay. <laughs> uh, we should do a Hirschfeld Jeopardy game. It's been done on Jeopardy. I know, Yeah. Yeah. What was it uh, fall of or like winter of 2013? It was the well, winter of the Lincoln Center show. Yes. Yeah. They did. The, oh, they did it before that too. Oh, really? They would. Uh, they, you know, in Jeopardy, they would turn over the block. Oh, and they would. And post it would a be drawing? a Hirschfeld drawing, and you'd oh have gosh. to say, "What is Fiddler on the Roof?" 
or what is Carol Channing and Hello Dolly. That would be so much fun. Yes. Uh, so if I'm you, into it. And Alex Trebek <laughs> turns out as a fan. I bet. You know, and he turns out to be a very nice guy. I know you met him. I met him on a TCM cruise, and I was surprised. Uh, he was a very genuine person. No, that's and sweet. drawn by Hirschfeld. So oh yes, <laughs> we love that. We love the well, people. Well, I'll get right on the trivia game because that sounds fun. Um, so the play is not a success. Uh, and as I said, it would have completely been forgotten, except mm-hmm. Tyrone Guthrie, the great Tyrone Guthrie director, um, is running the Edinburgh, Edinburgh uh, Festival in 1954. And he somehow gets a copy of Merchant of Yonkers and thinks there's a good play there. Mm. Uh, if Thornton and Wilder would go back to it, they talk about revisions and they talk about expanding the role of this matchmaker that Harns Van Gelder goes to see, Dolly Levi. Right. Well, and now she becomes kind of the main focus yes. of the show. And indeed, the show title the show gets a new title called The Matchmaker, right. which is to emphasize uh, the importance of the Dolly Le- Levi uh, character. Right. It's a big hit at the Edinburgh uh, uh, Festival. Um, producer David Merrick brings it to the West End, and where it's a big hit there. And in 1955, he does a Broadway production mm. starring Ruth Gordon. It gets another great Hirschfeld drawing. Yep. Uh, and better yet, it gets a good run. Yeah. I'm sure David Merrick felt that way. Uh, it gets a, a, a really great long run. Um, Ruth Gordon's performance earns her a Tony nomination for Best Actress. Mm. And Tyrone Guthrie actually wins for Best Director. Wow. And so, and, and then it was adapted into a film starring uh, Shirley Booth. Mm-hmm. Uh, as Dolly, uh, Anthony Perkins as Cornelius. I love Tony Perkins. Uh, sh- oh, yeah. <laughs> How could you not? Although, so in around this time, he makes Psycho, so um, he wasn't the lovable yeah. character. Well, that maybe, I know, you know Tony Perkins from What's My Line, obviously. And he's on there a lot, and he's so cute and adorable. I don't know the Psycho Tony Perkins. I don't think about that one. Uh-huh. <laughs> Everything, I think, is backwards. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> So it was a successful. Shirley MacLaine uh, was in it. Shirley MacLaine in the was movie. In. Yeah. Uh, Robert Morse uh, reprised his role as Barnaby. Mm. Uh, Paul Ford was Horace Van Van Gelder, um, and it was so it was a successful movie adaptation. Had a good run on Broadway. I mean, uh, what had turned what had been a flop had turned into a hit. Mm-hmm. And Thornton Wilder should have been pleased with that. But and he it, probably was. But the story doesn't stop there. No. But wait, there's more. <laughs> and you won't believe what happens next. <laughs> David Merrick gets the idea of doing a musical version of this play. He mm. sees that it's got uh, the right components. He feels that Broadway audiences in 1964 would happily embrace a sort of good old-fashioned musical mm-hmm. about uh, the late 19th century, early 20th century. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of great costuming you could do in there. There was These were great roles for what he thought would be Ethel Merman. Right. Yeah, it was written, so. it was rewritten for Ethel Merman. Yes. With her in mind. Uh, he hires Jerry Herman, who had just uh, had a big hit with uh, Milk and Honey. Mm-hmm. A uh, unlikely play about the founding of uh, Israel, but has a great drawing. It has a great again, drawing. again. That's <laughs> oh yeah. Well, and it was a big hit often. too. Oh, it was it a big hit? It was okay. a big hit. Well, there you go. Uh, and they create this show that, well, it didn't start off as Hello Dolly. 
Right. Uh, it, well, it had a few names. I wrote some of them down. Here we go. Dolly, a damned exasperating woman, <laughs> which would not have done very well, I don't think. And Call on Dolly, which is better. It's close. Call on Dolly's getting there. But as soon as Merrick heard uh, Louis Armstrong's demo recording of the of the song Hello, Dolly, uh, that Jerry Herman had just written... He realized that he was the title for the show. Yeah. And it, it is sense. So, and it's so, I mean, it's hard for us to think today uh, that a Broadway show would have a hit single. Uh, yeah. A single big enough to knock the Beatles off the charts, mm. or at least from number one. Mm-hmm. But Louis Armstrong's demo recording gets released. And when demo Helen, recording. Yeah. He, he, it's a sort of one take thing. I'm and, just going to say it, David. That is such a Celine Dion move. <laughs> that is such a Celine Dion move. Please forgive us, right. any Louis Armstrong fans <laughs> or just music fans in general. <laughs> uh, there's a wonderful drawing of Celine Dion. I take that as a tribute to Al Hirschfeld. <laughs> and Celine. All right, we're not going to talk about this today. Not again, David. Not again. Okay, so back to so, Louis Armstrong. But I mean, a Broadway show that had a hit record, a hit number yeah. one record that uh, pushes uh, the Beatles' Can't Buy Me Love from the number one spot wow. in on the American charts. Oh, I guess Hamilton has probably... It hasn't been like on the Billboard no, it's singles, not. at least. Right, but maybe although the Dear album. Evan Hansen has released a song. Oh, really? Uh, like, when was the last time that re- that really... Well, I think uh, um, Hair. I know Hair, but that was a lot. Age that was of just, Aquarius. I mean, that was just... Four years after, or yeah, five but years that's, after Hello Dolly. But that's, but. The, that's the eclipse of the Broadway musical mm. as a real cultural arbiter yeah, that probably true. has only been restored now with Hamilton, yeah. where so many people know it. That's true. But I know hair definitely was I, a huge I mean, up through movie. the 60s, Broadway show tunes mm-hmm. were part of the top ten right. uh, on the record charts, and they slowly but surely disappear hmm. all throughout the 60s, and by the end of the 60s, there's nothing, mm. and they don't chart anymore because mm-hmm. it's it's it takes divergent paths. Interesting. Yeah, that's an interesting. Topic. Uh, so they have this. Uh, so Hello Dolly opens and uh, wins ten Tony Awards, becomes the longest running Broadway musical uh, at that time. Right. Uh, it has over two thousand performances, mm. and Carol Channing plays it. Uh, I think is in for the first year or two, and then. Different dollies start coming in. Uh, it's so funny. Uh, it, it was originally written for Ethel Merman. She would eventually play it. On Broadway. Mary, After Merman turned them down, they approached Mary Martin, who turned it down, and she would eventually play it in the West End. Um, there were there were lots of dollies. Pearl, uh, Ginger Rogers, uh, Martha Ray, Betty Grable. Uh, Pearl Bailey did an all-black version with Cab Calloway and... Mm. Uh, Clifton Davis and Ernestine Jackin and a, and a young Morgan Freeman. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Uh, Phyllis Diller played. Uh... Today's Phyllis Diller's birthday. <laughs> well, she would play Dolly on Broadway. Wow. Um, and as I said, uh, Merman was, I think, one of the last uh, Dollies on Broadway mm. from the original production. And in fact, Hirschfeld does a drawing of Merrick. Uh, he's sort of a ringmaster in a circus, and he's mm-hmm. got the three dollies jumping through a hoop. And yeah. it's uh, uh, it's Carol, uh, Pearl Bailey, and Ethel Merman. Great. And that's in 1970. <laughs> but um, Hirschfeld, w- once 
Hello Dolly uh, catapults Carol Channing into uh, really sort of the top of uh, the top celebrity. Yeah. One of the top celebrities. In a few short years, she not only is one of the big attractions at the inauguration of uh, Lyndon oh, yeah. B. Johnson. Wait, speaking of Lyndon Johnson, which is something I don't usually say because we don't talk about Johnson, but she like rewrote. Um, or someone rewrote Hello Dolly for it's called Hello Linden, right? And it's for the 1964 election, and she sings it. There's a great clip on YouTube, and I think we even wrote an article about it. Yeah, you wrote an article for the That's right, spotlight section on uh, on the Hirschfeld <laughs> website. That's right, um, and uh, it's like, well, Hello Linden, something so Linden. It's so funny and it's adorable. Um, so it was you've really... always wanted to hear Catherine sing. Yeah, while I'm still getting over a cold and sound <laughs> extra nasally, um, but uh, so that shows how popular it was just in the culture as well. Um, so yes, the next are you saying the next drawing she's in is the Johnson inaugural drawing? Johnson inaugural yeah. drawing. Uh, actually, the next drawing she's in oh, is <laughs> Cal Channing is Lady Macbeth. From oh, the right, Unlikely right. Casting series. This was a series yeah. he did every month for Playbill for about 18 months starting in 1964. And you told me just now that he came up with this idea. Yes. Which I did not know. He had done a series for a short-lived magazine called Show mm. uh, called Famous Feuds where he had all kinds of people sort of duking it out. Yeah. Uh, the the Sir Francis Bacon and Christopher Marlowe are battling <laughs> to who is the real Shakespeare. There's like a De Gaulle one. De Gaulle, yeah. yeah, sure. There's there's another great one of Ilya Kazan and Lee Strasberg. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Sort of uh, arguing on a on a psychiatrist couch. Gotcha. Uh, and you can see Lincoln Center in the background because <laughs> there was all this controversy at that time. Mm. Um, these actually hark back to Miguel Covarrubias's impossible interviews that he and Corey Ford did for Vanity Fair in the 1920s. Mm. Uh, and so, but this for this unlikely casting series, uh, I'm pretty sure uh, Hirschfeld came up with the ideas for it. It put people in the title totally captures mm-hmm. what the series was about. Right. It put uh, unlikely performers in different roles. Right. So uh, Zero Mostel is Peter Pan. I know, that's my favorite one. Uh, Jason Robards is Puck from Midsummer Night's Dream. Right. Uh, Carol Burnett as Blanche Dubois from oh, Streetcar. Yeah, and so Carol Channing as uh, Lady Macbeth is totally ridiculous. Yeah. And uh, I think, and it would always be accompanied by a quote from the performer. Mm. And Carol Channing talks about something like, yes, and after this I'm doing King Lear on <laughs> roller skates. Speaking of King Lear, I know that one of them's Burt Lahr as King uh, Lear. Oh, yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh, and, Nancy Walker and Walter Matthau as uh, Romeo and Juliet. Right. Speaking of Johnson, it's like Goldwater and Johnson. Oh, yeah, for and, Waiting uh, for Godot. Yeah, Waiting for Godot. And then I know we talked briefly about David Merrick, but there's a great David Merrick story. David Merrick was the one who re- he, he got it. it well, he produced uh, Hello, yeah, Dolly. Yeah. And uh, so he was not a very nice person. No, uh, he was he was known as the abominable uh, showman. That's hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and, and he he had a good eye, right? Uh, Talented, but, but he was an impossible person and a right. mean person, and and people didn't like him, and including Al Hirschfeld, mm. who was not a man given to bile or anger. He right. had done political work of the 1920s and had realized that that just wasn't mm. his thing. He, you know, he, he didn't feel strongly Co- Not to, to comment on personalities or... Right. 
anything like that. Yeah. He he just wasn't a. He always sort of saw the good side of things. Mm-hmm. He was just that way. Uh, how that as a human, that's how he was. But couldn't really see the good side of David Merrick. No, definitely <laughs> could not see. And I'm sure that was fueled in part by stories that Carol Channing told him. Oh, interesting. Uh, I'm sure there are legions uh, of stories mm-hmm. of of Merrick mistreating performers mm. and making ridiculous demands. And mm. uh, I mean, he was he was a miserable person. Yeah. And uh, so. Uh, for, for unlikely casting. He, he does did, yeah. a drawing of Merrick as Santa Claus. Yeah. Uh, except it's not... It's not Santa Claus. It's more... It's really like as the Grinch as Santa Claus. Right. He's stealing all the presents from the tree. Right. Uh, I don't know when The Grinch Who Stole Christmas came out. I but it must be around that time. Oh, yeah. Because it looks exactly like The Grinch stealing all the presents under the tree. Yes. Yeah. Well, Hirschfeld was having an exhibition uh, of his work at this time... And he insisted that the gallery put this drawing of Merrick in the window because he wanted everyone to know what he thought of David Merrick. <laughs> and much to his chagrin, that's Hirschfeld's chagrin, not Merrick's, uh, th- indeed the world does know what he thinks about uh, David Merrick. And David Merrick knows. He comes in and he buys the drawing. Not to destroy it or hide it away, he puts it on his Christmas card that year and adds a flaming Christmas tree. <laughs> and that's when Hirschfeld realized you can't insult anybody. Yeah. You know, well, even when Hirschfeld is trying to be mean to someone, it's not really that mean. No, they he, still love it. <laughs> right. Exactly. He, you know, he understood that Merrick was the type of person who believed there was no such thing as bad publicity. Right. Any publicity is good publicity. And, and if he was known as a difficult person, that was going to make it mm-hmm. easier in his next negotiation. That's true. So, I mean, he, <laughs> good point. He, he, uh, after that, I can't, off the top of my head, I can't even think of a drawing that you could see mm. as being negative or pejorative. He mm. just doesn't yeah. do it because I think it's a real, it's a, it's a reminder to him that that's not who he is. Right. Uh, but uh, Merrick did have this great success with Hello, Dolly, um, and Hirschfeld's drawing then comes to literally represent the show. Right, uh, Hello, in Dolly. All, yeah. uh, soon the, sh- the window cards and the show posters for the show feature Hirschfeld's drawings. Mm-hmm. When it goes out on the road with Carol, the drawing is used in the advertisements um, because he had so captured her. Uh, and I, I talk about in the beginning of the Hirschfeld century, uh, Hirschfeld's drawing of, of Carol Channing and Hello Dolly is very much uh, like Toulouse Lautrec's drawing of Jane Avril from Paris in the 1890s. Right. I'm sure audiences at that time looked at the drawing of Avril and said, "Wow, Lautrec really captured her. That's what it's like in performance. I remember seeing her. I know how great she is. He really got her. It also made for an attractive poster, so it brought more people in. But that's not what Lautrec was doing." Hmm. Lautrec was creating art, and it has it. We now recognize it as art, because uh, nobody alive has seen Jane Afro. We can't. Well, it's see hard how accurate. to, and you talk about it a lot too. It's hard to remove yourself from the performance if you've seen it or you've lived it, and it's hard to remove yourself from it and then just see it as art. Right. So we don't have any problem with Toulouse Lautrec's work because right. we don't know those performers, but when we look at Hirschfeld drawings like Carol Channing and Hello Dolly. It's hard to separate our memories, if you have any memory. Right. Maybe it's a recording. Maybe it's something you saw on YouTube. <laughs> Maybe you were one of the lucky people who saw her perform it ad nauseum. For, I mean, she, mm-hmm. she performed it for 30 years. Wow. 
uh, on Broadway. She appeared three times on Broadway in the role. Wow. Uh, she performed it on the road thousands of times. Uh, and I remember the last time, the last revival in New York was uh, 1995. And the day after the opening, I was having lunch at, at, at the Hirschfelds. Mm. So, of course, you ask, how, how was, was it? it? <laughs> and i never forget. Alice, Al just smiled and she, he said, oh, as soon as Carol steps on stage, you knew you were in safe hands. Aww. And it's actually, I went up and looked up the reviews of the original production. And what's interesting is a lot of, we think of it as a great score and a great show, mm -hmm. but a lot of reviewers at the time say, well, it's an okay score, it's got some good numbers, and the show is a little creaky, mm. but Carol Channing is the reason you have to see it. Mm. You know, when you see it, she, you know, you're going to, it's going to be a good night. Right. Uh, and that Al was inadvertently echoing that all yeah. these years later was, I think, very telling. Oh, and uh, he knew what a good show was, and he knew it was that kind of performer that could carry a show mm -hmm. no matter what anybody else was like. Very similar now, and um, this is nothing against Bette Midler's uh, cast, uh, but people are coming to see Bette Midler right. in it, and mm -hmm. it all rises and falls on Bette Midler's uh, performance. Right, David that's a Hyde very, Pierce. I think that's of the show, definitely. Oh, if you very have much a so. good dolly, that's all you need. Right. Yeah. And interestingly enough, he would never draw anybody else in the role. Wow. Uh, and Hello Dolly. The only Hello Dolly drawings he ever drew were of Cal Channing in the role. Mm. And of course, that one little composite with Pearl Bailey and Ethel Merman. Oh, right. Of <laughs> but course. not no, as no. like a whole production right. or anything like that. I, thank you very much. <laughs> I didn't want people me. to <laughs> think we were backtracking on ourselves. Um, and what's funny is his he would do lots of drawings of, of Cal Channing over the years in a variety of different roles. Uh, and uh, she did a musical ver a, a sort of different musical version of Gentlemen Prefer Blondes called Lorelei. Did a great drawing of that. There were commissions for uh, benefits with right. uh, with uh, Carol and Angela Lansbury or Rita Moreno or people like that. His last drawing for the Times of Carol Channing, and one of his last drawings, literally his last drawing of Carol Channing, uh, was a theme drawing. You know, sort of just, it goes full circle. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's it's in September 1995, and uh, the drawing is titled Six Leading Ladies Who Will Appear on Broadway This Season. Mm. And it had Zoe Caldwell in Masterclass, and uh, um, oh, I forget all who else is in there, but Cal Channing and Hello, Dolly. Right. Uh, and then he would do one more piece for the Times. A month later, he would do a piece, he would take a, all of his different drawings of Carol and Hello mm -hmm. Dolly and collage them into sort of a timeline of Carol Hello Dolly. in yeah. Hello Dolly. <laughs> and it, cause it's really wonderful. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, and it was really an homage to Carol. Uh, the, he and Carol would end up being great friends. It was, mm -hmm. you know, she was in a way the second Dolly in his life Aww, because he sweet. was married to Dolly Haas. Right. Um, but they were great friends and uh, they enjoyed each other's company a great deal. And, you know, I mean, it's funny. Carol Channing, a couple times, uh, talking about Hirschfeld over the years. Mm -hmm. uh, well, she loved the drawings she collected, if not all, but most of her drawings. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She was drawn 39 times. That's a lot. So, you... I know, well, to put this into perspective, Julie Andrews was drawn 51 times. Yes. And she's she's the most drawn female. Right. Um. So, and most people fall within the... 
two to ten category. Would right. you say that? And yeah. so thirty nine. That's a lot of drawings of Carol Chan. Yeah, a lot yeah. of drawings. Uh, and most of them are individual drawings. They're not right, really right. a big There's cast. There's no cast drawing of Hello, Dolly. No, there never was no. because at the end of the day, you like you said, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, the, it's the Dolly role. Mm-hmm. Who's in the Dolly role? Um, but, you know, uh, it sh- she said uh, recently somebody was going through her house. Uh, they were doing a like a house and gardens thing. And uh, she said that Al Hirschfeld's art is the key to... Um, is the key to the decor. Everywhere you turn, his influence is there. Because she had Hirschfeld drawings. She she has Hirschfeld drawings mm-hmm. all over her house. When she says, the th- what is it, the three things she can count on not losing value? Oh, yeah. 1976, the okay. Wall Street Journal uh, does a front page feature on Hirschfeld. Not only him, but the value of his works. Mm. And she says, uh, there are three things I can count on to keep their value. Diamonds, wine, and Hirschfeld caricatures. That's true. And it is true. <laughs> it is true. That drawing of Carol Channing and Hello, Dolly, uh, she probably purchased for $500. Wow. Uh, if indeed he actually sold it to her. He mm-hmm. may have he given it given to her it, because yeah. they were great friends already by 1964. Wow. Uh, that drawing, if it was on the market today, would probably go for at least 50000 oh, if I not more. Oh, I would say way more. Uh, because that is literally, a, it's like... It's the Hirsch, in my mind at least, and I have no connection to Hello Dolly or Carol Channing, but to me, it's the Hirschfeld drawing. Right, it's sort I of like the Mona know. Lisa. Yeah, I just don't know what other, or the Jane Avril, whatever. It, that There's just no other one, in my mind, that uh, is the Hirschfeld drawing. We could have a half-hour program. Well, that's just true. On that. Arguing <laughs> on that, but in my mind, that's the one. It's the that's the one. Yeah, and uh, so um, it was a great mixture of artist and performer. Uh, what we get out of it is something that is for the ages, that will last much longer than the show itself. Certainly, the performer or the mm-hmm. artist, but both of them recognized that he had so captured her, and now we see it as a work of art. Right. Uh, it's art that's still uh, attracting eyeballs mm-hmm. and a little bit of controversy. Yeah. Well, I did a bad thing. <laughs> no, I did you... not do a bad thing. People think I did a bad thing. Right. What happened was when, this must have been a year ago, or whenever Bette Midler was first announced um, as the next Hello, Dolly, I took the original production drawing, the 1964 infamous you know, Carol Channing drawing, and I took, Bette Midler was in, for the boys in 1995 something for the boys yeah something for the boys Mm -hmm. um in 1995 and i took the face and i put it on the body of carol channing and hello dolly and before i did it i was like oh you know what i probably shouldn't do this david will get mad you know i might get offended it might look bad and i was like and you know what carol channing in the original she's looking right at the viewer and bet midler's kind of to the side it's it's just not gonna look right it's gonna look it's going to be very obvious that I did that, you know, it was a it was a collage of the two drawings. But it turns out she was wrong. I, I did it. And it, it, I must say, it looks you would not know that it was two different drawings. Uh, I was I was shocked. <laughs> I, I was, too. I would, uh, you know, uh, we don't encourage this. No. <laughs> um, but this is one of the few times I would say, I don't think I would mind this. I think he would. It, it looks very much like. Uh, Al Hirschfeld drawing mm-hmm. Bette Midler in a classic Hello it Dolly. It works. It totally works. And uh, we shared it on Facebook when she won the Tonys. Mm-hmm. 
And, of and course, I got a lot of haters. Yeah. A lot of haters. People, people thought it was sacrilegious. And saying, you know, we can't believe the official foundation is doing that. And, uh, well, we did because we are the official foundation. And we didn't believe that anybody would uh, think that Hirschfeld himself right. drew it since he had been dead uh, for over 14 years at that <laughs> right, time. Right, right. Um, uh, he, he was able to do lots of things, but draw from the grave we no. have yet to see. <laughs> Maybe one day. Yeah. But overwhelmingly, I mean, everyone in the foundation loves it. Oh, yeah. And overwhelmingly, everyone else loves it, too. So yeah. we did get a, a little controversy on our on our Facebook page. Oh, yeah. Uh, but but, but if we you thought want- it was a great tribute to Bette Midler and to the new production to sure. give them a Hirschfeld drawing, which is something new shows don't get these no, days. No, uh, I mean, we're now in the first generation of shows that have do not have a Hirschfeld right. drawing announcing uh, their arrival right. for the first time since, you know, 1926. Mm. Um, if you want to see uh, the Bette Midler drawing, you can go to our Facebook page. Uh, for the Al Hirschfeld Foundation, or you could go to the Algonquin Hotel, where right. this uh, till August eighth um, is an installation in the lobby of the Algonquin called the Tonys, as seen by Hirschfeld. It features twenty-five drawings of Tony-winning uh, plays and musicals all over the lobby, uh, so, so circling the top of the lobby. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when we finished, they said, "Oh, could you put something on the elevator doors?" And we thought about it, and we thought, well, you know, you want to, you can't put a cast drawing on an elevator door. Yeah, it's just too much. We need a distinct personality. So yeah. he had done a drawing of Glenn Close uh, in Sunset Boulevard in the original production twenty years ago. So we took the detail of Glenn Close from that drawing, and one set of elevator doors has that. So when it opens up, she mm-hmm. splits it in two. Yeah. <laughs> on the other elevator door we decided to put this Bette Midler as yeah. in Hello Dolly because here were two great actresses on Broadway mm-hmm. uh, two Tony winners and yeah. uh, people love it yeah I mean, so the Algonquin installations are always so popular yeah this is our third year of doing them and, yep. and people really uh, really love them if you get a chance to see it you can go in there it doesn't cost anything if you've never been to the Algonquin mm-hmm. you should rectify that right away and if you have been to the Algonquin this is worth Go stopping back. in there for. Yeah, uh, get it, have a drink. You know, yep. hanging out in the Algonquin lobby is one of the <laughs> pleasures of life. Uh, and uh, try to identify what you what's on the walls. And if you can't identify it, there's a handout that gives you uh, the information on every drawing, identifies every drawing yep. that's up there. So Speaking, that's that's one place to see Hirschfeld drawings. Speaking of identifying every drawing. Um, you can go to our website, alhirschfeldfoundation.org, look up everything he ever did. What's your spiel, David? Oh, uh, performer, <laughs> production, publication. Year, uh, theater y- season. Uh, blah, blah, type. blah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah film, theater. Um, and then, uh, did we say Facebook? The Al Hirschfeld Foundation and Twitter and Instagram at Al Hirschfeld. We post something every day. Um if you have any suggestions for topics you want to hear, we'd love to hear them because we just pick them up based on what we think is interesting, but we want to know what you think is interesting. So we always like hearing from people. Yeah. So you can write to us at info at alhirschfeldfoundation.org. Yep. Or any reach out on any social media. Right. We're always right there. Right. Um, we heard from folks in Australia the other day. Thank mm-hmm. you very much. <laughs> uh, oh, and thank you to our two reviewers, William Marshall, my brother, and the amazing Squigs. Oh, yeah. Who both gave us very, very glowing reviews on iTunes. If you want to give us a review, 
We won't argue with you. Go over and do that. And those two reviews did not cost us that much. No, they didn't. <laughs> I didn't say anything to either one of them. No, neither did I. Uh, no, we're pleased. The yes. response has been yes. great. Um, if you can't wait for next week's podcast and you want to read more stories about uh, Hirschfeld, there is the book that I wrote uh, called The Hirschfeld Century, uh, A Portrait of an Artist and His Age that was published by Knopf in 2015. It's uh, uh, been widely acclaimed and and uh, Amazon picked it as one of the top books, top 100 books of uh, 2015. So we sure. were pleased with that. Um, and you can get that on our website, alhirschfeldfoundationshop.org. Yeah, along with uh, prints yep. and uh, t-shirts. t-shirts. We've got a few t-shirts left. Even a few drawings. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, we feature some of those. Uh, so there's lots of ways you can uh, see Hirschfeld's work. Um, we appreciate you uh, tuning in and uh, listening to us. See you next week. Yeah, look forward to it. Take care.